0: You know you you may have heard the proverb with great power comes great responsibility that's a sliding scale that's what i'm starting to realize with increasing power comes increasing responsibility here's the practical implication of that thanks to the work that we did rebutting the adl's false narrative on anti-semitism and its attack on tucker carlson as discussed last week um Coalition for Jewish Values now has a more significant public profile and all of a sudden its managing director has to be more careful about what he tweets about and what he uh, says in this podcast just just for example Um, actually I have a, a sort of feather in my cap this week because in a Twitter interaction I managed to get myself blocked by the head of the reform movement, the head of Union for Reform Ju- Judaism, uh, Reform Rabbi Rick Jacobs. See, I said, uh, well, we, we had our article, of course, in Newsweek. And the Newsweek article uh, was powerful enough against the ADL that News, Newsweek called up the ADL, got them to respond to what we had to say to our defense. They insisted, of course, was white supremacy, blah, blah, blah. Well. Rick Jacobs quotes the Newsweek article, posts it on Twitter, and says the overwhelming majority of North American Jews support uh, Jonathan Greenblatt ADL's principled stand against Tucker Carlson's outrageous support of the white nationalist replacement theory. The Orthodox rabbis who are defending Carlson are a fringe group. And that's what I had to say. And it's worth mentioning that William Daroff, who is the CEO now of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations, uh, retweeted what Jacobs had to say. In other words, apparently endorsing his comment. So I responded to both of those things. Number one, the overwhelming majority of American rabbis are knowledgeable about anti-Semitism. Jacobs is the French. That's the first thing I said. And of course, that is true. The the production of rabbis in the orthodox world is much, much greater and requires a much deeper knowledge of Judaism, traditional Judaism and Jewish texts than anything coming out of the reformer conservative movement. Um, to illustrate that, I mean, I, I, I had an argument a couple of years ago and did a little bit of research and discovered that intermediate Talmud within the conservative movement – consists of two and a half hours between, div- equally divided between study partners and class twice a week. That's five hours a week. Uh, my son in high school is learning at least 1.5 times as much Torah in a day as they learn in a week. So it should not surprise anybody that the knowledge of an Orthodox rabbi is much greater, and yet they exist in much larger numbers. Lakewood, New Jersey alone is producing more rabbis in a week than the conservative and reform combined are producing in a year. So that's the first point I made, that, hey, wait a minute, if you're looking at the people who actually know something about Judaism, and, and let's even entertain your claim that all rabbis count, the overwhelming majority of North American rabbis are standing in the opposite way and appreciate the fact that we had criticism for the ADL for going off course on anti-Semitism. Second thing, he mentioned the overwhelming majority of North American Jews. Well, does that count? The overwhelming majority, sadly, of North American Jews are on their way out. The Jews of no religion are now the largest and fastest growing segment of the jewish community and i think if you look at their parentage etc cetera, etc cetera, reform was their gate their doorway and all the statistics all the surveys bear this out that people went from orthodox to conservative to reform to out and so reform was not a gateway for people to recover and attach themselves to Judaism in a new and different way, as they argue, but on the contrary, is a path out the door. And, and sadly, that applies to much of the American Jewish community. So their, their left-wing positions are not following today's reform leaders. They don't actually follow reform. They go to synagogue twice a year, if that. So why would they be caring what their rabbi had to say on social or moral issues? On the contrary, uh, it's the reform leadership that is following the left wing of the Democratic Party in progressive positions. And I have, I have I've already spoken about that. I could go back over that again. But the bottom line is this is something where if you actually care about who knows something about Judaism and what they have to say, on the contrary, they're much very much rebuking ADL. And that's why I concluded. I mean, look at the the. the CEO of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations should not be taking sides in this fight. Daroff, because his uh, Twitter handle is at should not should have known better than to take Jacob's side here. Don't endorse this position that the Orthodox rabbis are a fringe. We are not the fringe. We represent the great majority of America's rabbis, the majority of people who know something about Judaism. You know, think about it. Don't endorse if the populace is going one way, but the people who actually know something are going a different way. You got to think about why that might be true and not instinctively follow the people who don't know anything. So that was my response. Rick Jacobs' response, I I was genuinely shocked. I was genuinely surprised. You really would have imagined the president of the URJ, the Union for Reform Judaism, would have thicker skin. He blocked me. He didn't engage. He blocked me. I, I just think that that's really quite something to be blocked by the head of the Union for Reformed Judaism. Great stuff. Because all we were doing, all we were doing is standing up for the truth. And, the, you know, uh, a, a line from another movie comes to mind, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> all right. Good enough. Anyway, we moved on this week. We had a different job to do, and I want to talk about uh, J Street. Oh, And, and okay, it connects. It connects because in initial drafts of the letter we sent to the Boston Jewish Community Relations Council, the early drafts actually went ahead and said that J Street is basically an anti-Semitic hate group. And there's a lot of argument for that, but there's a reason why we didn't say it. Now what we, we did do, we went over, for example, in our in our press release, we point out that back in twenty twenty, J Street created a very offensive, very clearly anti-Semitic meme. And when Elon Carr called them out on it, they called it, it was a bad faith attack and claimed that he was being partisan. At which point the Simon Wiesenthal Center, which no one can describe as partisan, stepped in and said, Elon Carr was right, you should take this image down which J Street did not do. The image showed a group of Jewish advisors to the president and Bibi Netanyahu standing over a seated Donald Trump. And the meme said, you know, don't get the American taxpayer to foot Israel's expansion. It was a clearly Jews have too much control in government meme. Now, you could ab- absolutely have a debate about the political question that they supposedly had in mind. But the meme did not show anything about Israel, Israeli territory, money-changing hands. It was about Jews having control, Jews standing around over a seated president having control over him. It was clearly anti-Semitic. But what, what we unearthed, in, which prompted our letter to J.C.R.C., Was actually significantly worse. Mort Klein of the Zionist Organization of America is nothing if not outspoken. He says his mind. And of course, when someone speaks extemporaneously, uh, they will be imprecise in their words. And they will also be, you know, very forceful. They'll go back three times to say essentially the same thing. Uh, you, You probably hear that from me in the podcast. Well, Quite simply, J Street and allies went after ZOA for bigotry and said that because he keeps making xenophobic and bigoted statements, well, he has to be thrown out of the Jewish Community Relations Council. We went over every th- all of their so-called evidence, and the bottom line is there was no there there. Another, another reference to common culture, where's the beef? There was none. He, his only quote unquote bigotry is strident criticism of anti Semites. He does not back off because of an anti Semite's identity characteristics. He will criticize Ilan Omar and he will criticize uh, Rashida Tlaib. They called that bigoted. You understand? This is a game that they're playing. They called that bigoted to say that uh, Rashida Tlaib or Ilan Omar are anti Semites. Well, guess what? David Duke praises Ilan Omar. And it's not because of her identity characteristics, none of which he shares. He is not Muslim. He is not black. He is not a refugee. He is not a woman. And yet he supports everything she says. Why? Because she hates Jews just like he does. And that's where he got it from. It is absurd to assume that there's only one correct position you can have on this and that anybody else is clearly motivated by bigotry. They had zero evidence. Speaking of zero evidence, they brought up that old canard about Sebastian Gorka. They had no case against Klein. They say, ah, you see, he went on Gorka's radio show. Therefore, he must be a racist because he's supporting white supremacist voices. That's a quote. You know, Dr. Gorka, we've met with him. We know his history. We know his record of concern for Jewish safety. We know the stories that he tells about his father. The fact that he wants to memorialize his father by wearing his medal, showing that he's uh, you know, a, a branch off the old tree, a chip off the old block. That's wonderful, really. Because Paul Gorka, according to his son, according to his son, used to walk with his Jewish classmates to school to prevent other Hungarians from throwing rocks at the Jewish kids, which they would do. In other words, Paul Gorka was a friend and a dear friend of the Jewish people. So is his son. The father was anti-Nazi and anti-communist and eventually was awarded the medal for being anti-communist. It is sick to call this man a racist against anybody, much less against Jews. The quote from our letter? So they falsely accused Dr. Gorka and then smeared Mr. Klein for associating with the victim of their slander. How atrocious. But here's where there was clearly another anti-Semitic double standard at work. At the very same time the J Street was accusing Mort Klein of bigotry, It was inviting Mahmoud Abbas to be the honored guest and address their conference. Under Abbas, and this is right out of our letter, the racist murder of Jews is encouraged by official PA policy, with generous payments to terrorists and their families. In 2015, Mr. Abbas not only claimed that the Temple Mount is exclusively an Islamic holy site. Imagine that, the site of the Jews' holy temple, is exclusively an Islamic holy site. And furthermore, that the PA would not allow Jews to quote-unquote defile it with, quote, their filthy feet. He also said, Abbas said, we bless every drop of blood spilled for Jerusalem. So you're telling me that they believe that Mort Klein is a bigot and Mahmoud Abbas is not? There is no standard for that that doesn't involve anti-Semitism. As our letter said, the J Street accuses Mr. Klein while simultaneously honoring Mr. Abbas reflects an anti-Semitic double standard of the first order. There's no two ways about it. There are no two ways. But again, what I said at the outset, with great power comes great responsibility and that's a sliding scale. Part of being measured, and adult, and careful in our words, we didn't feel, even though we know that there's countless other cases, we need to have enough evidence in hand where we can say, it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. What do you think it is? It's very clear that it is indeed what we described it as initially, But on this letter, we were not willing to go forward and say, okay, it's an anti-Semitic hate group. We have all the proof we need. Let them know. They have two strikes. Third strike, we're going to be very clear about it. And nobody will be able to complain that we're irrational, that we're right-wingers, that we're knee-jerk, nothing of the kind. That's what it's about. We do have the opportunity to work together to write an inverted planet. Thank you for listening. Inverted Planet is sponsored in memory of Carl Stitzer, and I remain very grateful to the Stitzer family for keeping this project afloat. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure you've subscribed. This podcast is available on all major platforms and all popular Android and iPhone podcast apps. And be sure to spread the word by giving us a five-star rating and telling your friends about the Inverted Planet podcast. Thanks for listening.